Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Today on the show, I have my dream team of UFO journalists, Jason McClellan, Maureen Ellsbury, and Mike DeMonte. This is the 2018 UFO Year in Review. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome to the official Somewhere in the Skies 2018 UFO Year in Review. I'm your host, Ryan Sprague, and I have an awesome lineup of guests today featuring Rogue Planet's very own Jason McClellan and Maureen Ellsbury and our resident punk rock ufologist, Mike DeMonte. Thank you, all of you, for joining me today. Thank you for having us, and I'm jealous of Mike's title. I want to be the punk rock ufologist. That's rad. <laughs> I mean, I think Jason was first at that, right? <laughs> that is a good point. I may be selling you a little short there, Jason. No, well, I but mean, I, I, I get that. I, the, the, the ska. There we go. The, the U.S. scologist. There you go. That 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 might have been more fitting, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy. I, w- I would share that title with you. We sh- we should start our <laughs> own our own sub sub branch, our own subculture of UFOs with punk rock. I Only if it. we get uh, tag team titles. Yes. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> yes. I'll be the uh, 90s alt-rock ufologist. Maureen, what, is that, what does that make you? I'm going to cover like a 70s punk rock. Ooh, or nice. like, uh, you know, the Dead Boys and Richard Hell and the Voidoids, that area. Uh, or classic <laughs> rock. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Can't go it. wrong with the classics. Absolutely not. Digging deep there. That's awesome. Well, guys, I mean, it's been a year, a crazy year for UFOs, a crazy year for everything. But um, before we even get into all that, I'd love to know what y'all been up to. Mike, I mean, I know you came out with a book. Let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about that first. Mike, what have you been up to in 2018? Uh, Punk Rock and UFOs, True Believers came out. I continue doing kind of podcast, radio, uh, some TV um, some opportunities have kind of popped up, but who knows? Um, it, it's, you know, it's the interesting thing is, you know, sometimes when you, you start writing and you, you know, you're blogging a lot and you're writing the book, you just kind of dive deep into it. And then once, you know, you're the finished project out, you're able to like breathe for a little bit. Yeah. So like right now I've like been breathing a little bit because it's like, there's, there's so much stuff that's happened this year in ufology, which we'll cover today. It's just compared to last year, I feel like there has been many, uh, many opportunities to kind of step back. It's been there's been so much news, right? And I mean, right before the new year last year is when the, you know, the the, the big stories broke, you know, to the stars and New York Times article. So you know that was a great way to sort of ring in the new year. But then since then we've had a lot of follow up with a lot of that, which we will get to. But um, Maureen, Jason, I saw you guys what a week ago here in Los Angeles, or so. So I mean, I know yeah. what you kind of been up to, but what's new <laughs> with you guys? Go ahead, Maureen. 
Um, okay. For me, you know, um, I've been kind of in the back burner here for a while because, um, my whole life has been taken up with work lately. Uh, super fun and a lot of traveling, doing some side projects related to UFOs, done a little speaking this year. We had some good panels, um, at Denver Comic Con, um, mm-hmm. Jason and I for our fourth year and J- Jeremy Corbell actually was on one of our panels as well. And, um, writing, a book that will probably take me 10 years to finish. So <laughs> <laughs> we Fun all time. know that feeling. Yeah. We're all there. Yep. <laughs> How about you, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, got, uh, got a few books that are going to take me a c- couple, couple, uh, 10 years times two to write. Um, so we'll see where that goes, but hopefully we'll have a, a book announcement, uh, in the coming months that, that might involve some of the people on this show today. Um, yeah, so I'm speaking at, at uh, conventions, just uh, spoke with you, Ryan, at uh, Alien Con, the great Alien Con in Baltimore. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, that that's just where I have my, my greatest joy um, related to UFOs and, and uh, other associated topics because, like I say, with all my work, I focus on the general public, not necessarily the UFO community, not the re- UFO research community. My my goal is to reach the general public, share the information that I have, and encourage people to get excited about the topic and do their own research. So events like Comic-Cons are the perfect venue for that. So I had a great opportunity to do a lot of that this year, and there's more of that coming in the next year. Absolutely. So looking forward to that. 2018 has been a, a year full of just regular life stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, really busy year with that. Been a slow year for me in terms of my uh, my UFO passions. So uh, we'll see if I can fix that in 2019. Yeah, and I mean, one of my favorite moments from AlienCon, Jason, was when like a uh, God, like a 12 year, 13 year old boy came up to you and asked to take a picture with you because he followed your work. I will never forget that man. That shows like the younger people are interested in this topic, and you know if it's going to come from AlienCon, so be it. Sort of the first thing I want to that's really fresh in all of our minds and probably the listeners as well is this recent release of the documentary by Jeremy Corbell, Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. Well, I am telling the truth. I, I, I've tried to prove that. What's going on up there could be the most important event in history. You're talking about contact, physical, physical contact and proof of, from another, another system, another planet, another intelligence. That's got to be the biggest event in history, period. And it's real. And it's real and it's there. Jason, Maureen, and I were able to see the world premiere of this here in Los Angeles. Mike, I know you saw it maybe a couple days before us to review for Punk Rock and UFOs. So before we get into the other things that have happened this year, I want to know what your guys' reaction and girls' reactions were to the movie. So let's start with, uh, Mike, you, you saw the film before us. What did you think of it? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um the only criticism I have about Jeremy's film uh, films are his, the certain narrative style he shoots it in, um, which kind of make them like kind of like everyone feels like a similar formula. But this is by far my favorite film he's done. Uh, I think he did a really good job of telling uh, Bob Lazar's story, and I mean a lot of it it's in defense of Bob Lazar. There's not you know too much opposition to him, but 
Um, it does really paint a good picture of the whole story of where he's at right now and from the beginning. It, it was entertaining as well. It was fascinating. I think it's something that you can show anyone. And the fact that it's getting all this positive press and uh, Jeremy's flying all over the country doing press for it and people writing articles about it. Um, I think it's it's definitely just the idea of doing a film on him was a home run. And um, everyone really seems to enjoy it. I really enjoyed it, too. I, I thought it was great. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's really tapping into a lot of um, the mainstream right now. I've, I'm seeing Jeremy all over the place, New York, L.A., um, doing all these like really fresh sort of vice-like interviews. So it's definitely getting out to the younger people. Maureen, Jason, I know you guys witnessed this too. So many like younger people came to this world premiere of a UFO documentary, which really blew me away. I don't know about you guys. What, what did you guys make of the film? We didn't really have a lot of time after to talk. Everyone had to go their separate ways. So I'd love to hear what y'all thought of this movie. Um, I actually saw it early as well. So the um, premiere was my second time seeing it. And, and I liked the film. I think what I told Jeremy too, was that I think he did a really good job of presenting the story, especially to the general public. People who don't uh, know a lot about the story will be like, Holy moly, you know, what was going on with this? There are a few tidbits that are new in the film for people who are super familiar with the story and everything that happened over the last 30 years. Um, and so those are fun bits to see. Uh, again, we're quite close with Jeremy. And so we knew some of the, of the I don't want to give any spoilers mm-hmm. out for people who haven't watched the film. So some of the things we were aware of that had happened that are supposed to be these um, big groundbreaking things. So again, it's more entertainment style uh, that you don't normally see in UFO documentaries, more fast paced. And I think that's the kind of style uh, that draws younger people as well. Cause they're, the music, the soundtrack, the visuals, that's what's going to get all these younger people interested in what the actual material and subject matter is behind it. So, you know, obviously it's an extremely polarizing case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while you didn't see so much of the opposition side of the people who uh, think he's lying and, and full of shit, there's enough to kind of give you both sides of the story, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Jeremy could have went a little further with the other side of it, but he did push Bob several times, which I definitely appreciated. A lot of people have, you know, sort of sort of blamed Corbell for being very, not apologetic, but very pro-belief when it comes to his films in these things. So I'm glad he went there with this. I think this is, like Mike said, his strongest film yet. And agreed with you on several points too, Maureen. There weren't any huge bombshells that left me feeling differently. I felt the same as I felt before the film, leaving it. But what did you think, Jason? Well, I certainly had fun with it. And okay. I I think that this is more a film for the UFO crowd. I think if you are familiar with the Lazar story and you're a UFO quote-unquote fan, it's a fun movie. Because, right, here's a story about a guy that we've all known about and read about for years. And we're seeing him presented in a humanizing way Certainly fun at the premiere, saying Bob in person. Question for Bob. How close to duplicating the alien propulsion system did you achieve? Oh, we didn't. That's, that's just about it. I mean, we, we couldn't even duplicate the material. 
that, uh, I mean, even the casing material, we didn't really even understand what was going on. It's one of those things where we could see what's happening and be proficient at using it, but uh, there wasn't a single thing we could duplicate at all. At least at the time when I was there, I have no idea where they are at this point. Did you have any breakthroughs when you were working at S4 on alien spacecraft, Bob? Did you have breakthroughs? Well, anytime you, you were able to decipher something, it was a breakthrough. I mean, when we determined the fuel was a, a super heavy element, that was a breakthrough. When we finally figured out how the reactor and the amplifier worked together, that was a breakthrough. When we finally figured out how to shut the reactor off, that was a breakthrough. But I mean, every single thing was amazing to us. It's like, uh, you know, having a couple little children playing with advanced materials. It's, it, it's just all, you know, it's pretty much all luck. Some of us have seen Bob before, so not that new and cool, but it's still awesome. I mean, Let's face it, it, whatever side you're on with this story, it's still like a huge thing in the UFO world. So being able to see Bob there in person, see Bob's story on the big screen and, you know, dig a little deeper into it. That's awesome. So I enjoyed it for that. I still am left with tons of questions. And, you know, contrary to the claims that Jeremy's made many times and certainly made at the premiere, this film does not answer all the questions. It doesn't prove, uh, you know, all the counterclaim or claims that people make in in opposition to Lazar's story. And some of the things presented in defense of Bob were things that George Knapp came forward with many, many years ago. Mm. So, you know, there are still questions to be asked, and we will be uh, Rogue Planet will certainly be doing a video. Um, interview with Jeremy in the coming weeks or months, and we will push on some of those things that are that are left unanswered. But overall, I had fun with the film, and I'm going to be controversial here and push against you guys and say this was not my favorite Jeremy film. I'm going to say my favorite film of his is Alien Scalpel, the one about the work of Roger Lear, mm. simply because Jeremy's past two films have relied heavily on the work of George Knapp, and, you know, have featured, you know, footage and interviews and, and things that George Knapp has, has worked on over the years in his career. Whereas with the Roger Lear story, that was Jeremy doing an investigative piece and actually doing scientific um, research funded out of his pocket um, to further a story that had, ex- had existed and really profiled the work of Roger Lear and the subtopic of alleged alien implants. So for me, that was Jeremy's best work to date. I enjoyed the visuals of the Lazar film. I enjoyed the topic of the Lazar film. And like I said, as a UFO guy, I thought it was fun. Yeah, Jeremy has hinted that uh, Nano Man, who is featured heavily in the Alien Scalpel film, will have his day, he said. So I think we can expect a lot more on uh, the testing front. Yeah, that's awesome. I I do agree. When Jeremy focuses his lens on individuals without archival footage, I think 
I think that is when we get the best stuff out of them, Jason. So now I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna retract my statement and I'm gonna go with you, man. I really did enjoy Patient Seventeen. Is that what it was officially yeah. called? I think. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. 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 That is a really good point. It was investigative filmmaking at its at its finest, you know, from beginning to end. And I think now, you know, Jeremy doesn't have much more to rely on in terms of Knapp's investigative work as his mentor. And I I certainly respect him for doing something like that, bringing these cases to light again. But uh, I I look forward to see what he decides to do next after he rests after these two films have come out in the past two months with him. So we'll we'll give him a little break before we start pushing him. But the real debate is yet to come on Bob Lazar, I think. Now that the film is out there to the mainstream for good and bad, uh, the real debate is just beginning. So I'm sure we'll, well see a lot more of that. And like you mentioned uh, on your recent episode, Ryan, with John Greenwald, I think the biggest plus of this whole thing is that Bob Lazar is in the news again. Bob Lazar, the story you know, even in UFO circles had largely kind of fizzled out. It was gone from our, from the topic of conversation, but here it is, you know, again, uh, in media, major media outlets, kids are watching this movie. It's been the number one movie on iTunes. So new people are discovering the story of Bob Lazar. And again, Regardless of what side of that debate you're on, pro or, or con with Lazar, it's still an important piece of UFO history. It's a story that we should be aware about. It's something that we should research. It's something that we should form opinions about. And we've got a new generation, a fresh crop of people who are discovering Bob Lazar and the Area 51 story as told by Lazar for the first time. I love it. Yeah, and I mean, my girlfriend who thought Bob Lazar was a total con man, a fraud, before she left the film saying, I actually, I, I believe that something happened to him, and I don't think he's lying. So right there, that was enough for me, having someone that close to me who is a true skeptic through and through uh, say, wow, uh, that that actually, I, I believe something happened. Um, that was enough for me to leave being like, okay, conversation's starting now, but... Um, I want to move the conversation, guys, to some some sightings that happened this year that were pretty interesting. And a lot of these, I have to add, came from Tyler Rogaway, who, Jason, I know you you interviewed Tyler. Am I correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this guy works for a website called The War Zone, and he's bringing these military UFO cases to light that a lot of us didn't really know about and ones that had sort of been circulating in, you know, military outlets other you know rather than the mainstream and whatnot so the before we get to sort of the ones he he was looking at we had this ireland sighting on november 9th where multiple pilots saw these speeding bright lights um this was later confirmed by two pilots you can hear the actual audio from this okay sir there's uh, there's nothing showing on either primary or secondary Okay, it was moving so fast, in fact, you can no longer see it, but yes, thank you. Uh, alongside you? Yes. Get to uh, come up on our left-hand side and then rapidly veer to the north. We uh, saw bright light and then it just disappeared at a very high speed. And we were just wondering, we didn't think it was a likely collision course, we were just wondering what that could have been. There to be multiple objects following the same sort of trajectory, uh, but very bright from where we were. Okay, that's copy, Dan. Uh, is there a direction it was going in or anything? Uh, the Virgin 7-6 uh, also saw that in our uh, 11 o'clock position. 
uh, two bright lights. Roger, that's coffee, thank you. Glad it wasn't just me. No, uh, yeah, very interesting, that one. Uh, the pilot said it was moving fast. It seemed to come up over the left-hand side of their planes, rapidly rapidly veered to the north, and disappeared at a very high speed. Uh, this one really made the rounds really quick, and I think, again, it's because pilots reported this, and uh, it's still being investigated, apparently. So a lot of people believe it could be meteorites, but um, that's yet to be decided. So do any of you guys have any other knowledge on this case? Any follow-ups? Well, unfortunately, yeah, as far as I know, there has been no follow-up, and that's the frustrating thing with UFO research. And even when there's a great story that hits mainstream media outlets around the world um, and seems to be all the, all the rage at the time, it's likely all you're going to ever hear about that particular case because there is no follow-up. There is no additional information that comes out. The reporters who report it usually report the initial instance but they don't do the follow-up and that's where tyler rogaway who you mentioned is a true remarkable journalist journalist through and through because he does the legwork he does contact everybody he can think of from military and government to uh, airports to pilots and tries to get the full story and continues to follow up until he can get a follow-up story or some more answers to further develop that story or add to that story. With Ireland, I haven't seen any of that. But I did see, you know, you, you certainly get a lot of this too, where you have some scientists who like to chime in and without even bothering bothering to read the, the initial reports, form an opinion about what the UFO was. And in this case, we saw a lot of that because even one of the pilots suggested that it might be a, a meteor or another object making some kind of reentry. However, one of the pilots described the object as climbing away at an incredible speed. You know, things, um, meteors or things entering the atmosphere don't climb. Yeah, I know. The, these audio. And what's really interesting is uh, getting back to Rogueway, he. Like you said, Jason, he puts the legwork in, and I have to read this quote by him that I found in an article because a lot of people think that a lot of people in the aviation field or aerospace may not be interested in UFOs, and as a journalist directly speaking to these people, Rogaway says, I'll tell you, anyone that is in the aerospace world and journalism and tell you that they have no interest in the legacy of UFOs and the whole history that goes along with it is lying to you. It is an interesting thing, even for the sake of lore and intrigue. So I have followed it very closely. I think that's really... That's very telling that, you know, pilots are interested in these things. Uh, aviation people are interested in these things. And he's the one bringing that legitimacy to these cases. We have the one in Arizona in February. Again, two pilots saw uh, a, a flying saucer passed over their planes. And uh, there's audio of this one as well. There were seven one Papa Golf. Good. And was there anybody that's uh, above us that passed us like 30 seconds ago? Number seven one Papa Golf negative. Okay. Stop this. A UFO. Yeah. It's murdered ten ninety five. Yeah, something just passed over. So like us. Don't know what it was, but it's at least two, three thousand feet above us. So yeah, it passed right over the top of us. We have audio, you know, testimony of these things happening, which I think is really interesting. And didn't we also have a California Oregon case earlier this it was year? 
Oregon, Oregon. Washington okay. kind of area. Yeah. Yeah. Portland. Yeah. Right. Your neck of the woods, Maureen, right? Yeah. So that was the, when, um, they were intercepted, uh, scram- they were trying to scramble, um, yeah, the F-15s. They tried to scramble yeah. F-15s, and, I mean, they did. They they had multiple commercial aircraft in the sky. And this, we're, we're talking about something that happened in 2017 now. This was in October 2017. Right. But, but similar situation where ground crew was working with commercial aircraft in the sky to try to figure out what this thing was because commercial aircraft were spotting this UFO flying over Portland. And these planes were seeing it. But the ground people, they had it on radar momentarily but didn't have it. Fighter jets were scrambled. Fighter jets got up there. They couldn't find the thing. And again, be, thanks to Tyler Rogaway, I mean, all of this stuff is is available on FAA um, recordings, so you can listen to the entire sort of chaotic moments on 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 this recording and hear the conversations they're having, trying to figure out what this object is, trying to you know figure out if they should scramble fighters, trying to figure out. What the procedure is when this stuff happens? Oakland 31. Yeah, correct. Remember, one says has zero Lima, level four three, the wrong way. That's for your day. Do you know on uh, that target south of the boundary there, that 0027 code moving very fast at 37,000? Oh, look at that thing. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Huh. Um, and you don't have anything on him, huh? I got nothing. Well, we'll look. No, the Westjet 1698 is about, he is at 370, and that dude is, uh, oh, 150 miles to the north um, of him. Okay, I see him up there. That's uh, that's crazy. That's fast. Yeah, all right, I'll report that. Thanks, Jenny. Okay. That's Oakland 31 or 36. Well, I'm at. This is uh, Sector 36. Um, we had a target come through our airspace going really fast. Um, S level three seven zero earlier, an intruder, mode C intruder, um, going southbound, and then now apparently the Southwest forty seven twelve sees an aircraft off his right side about as one o'clock and ten miles going northbound at three seven zero. We don't have anything on radar anymore or uh, anything like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I just have my primaries on. I don't. And we don't see any primaries or anything, anything either. But, uh, I will. Okay. Yeah, just to let you know, and our supervisors are calling all the appropriate people. So, and uh, does he have any idea what kind of aircraft it is? No, I've asked him, okay. and he doesn't. He said it's about his one to two o'clock and ten miles off his right side now. So, okay, thanks. Like they have no idea what's going on, and that's really freaky. They don't. They don't know what to do. And a similar thing happened in Arizona. Like, yeah, they they knew that they had this unidentified craft, but. They couldn't find it. They couldn't figure out what it was. One thing uh, I want to add to that is, you know, just reading the articles, you know, every time uh, a pilot or somebody with aviation experience uh, has a sighting, the stories tend to lend more credibility just because of their experience. So those stories, you know, like once again, it's easier for those getting the mainstreams, you know, as opposed to like the average Joe seeing one. Um, so, you know, reading the articles, you know, they obviously have have quotes from the witnesses, the pilots themselves. And any good article needs to have both sides. And, you know, usually like you said they'll interview a scientist, but usually, you know, the problem with it being a one and done story without a follow up is the scientist is just basically giving just an opinion. And a lot of things I right. read on the recent stories were, oh, it's probably a meteorite or it's probably this, but there's no really investigation. Mm-hmm. And then it's dropped. And, you know, a lot of the websites are doing these cute little subheads or is it a weather balloon? Like, you know, that same, they're bringing those same old jokes out again. 
Um, so the fact that, like I said, that it's being reported by, you know, these people with aviation experience, I think that's a good thing because it's, you know, these stories are creeping more into the mainstream just because of, um, you know, their credentials. And I will say that, uh, the reason that I highly recommend and, and do pay attention to the work that Tyler Rogaway does on these stories is he, he brings a unique perspective. He specializes in military aviation. So he looks at this from a curiosity standpoint, you know, being very he's a he's a well-read individual, very, very much knowledgeable about technology and, and craft that the military has in development um, and follows these things closely. So when he hears about something that doesn't fit anything that he's following at all, he uh, he hones on on that and wants to. Uh, use every resource available to try to find more information about it to possibly say, oh, yeah, that could be this this secret thing we've been hinted that he mm-hmm. is working on. When those uh, those answers and those things don't don't align, then he gets really excited and tries to follow up. And I just really love his work. He has connections and resources that a lot of us don't have in sort of the the outside journalism world. So I really look forward to more stuff to come from him. I know, at least for me, he's going to be my UFO researcher of the year. That's for damn sure. But um, moving a little away from UFOs, guys, and to the possibility of alien life, we had some really like groundbreaking stuff happened this past year, late 2017, early 2018. And for the first time in history, scientists have detected the first interstellar object ever observed. Now, this is amazing, in my opinion. We're talking about Oumuamua. Avi Loeb, chair of the Harvard University Astronomy Department, said Oumuamua did not behave like an ordinary asteroid or give off gas like a comet. There seemed to be an extra force that is pushing it And it's not clear what this push is uh, from. In an upcoming paper, he and a colleague offer what they call a more exotic scenario. Oumuamua may be a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth vicinity by an alien civilization. This thing kind of made a comeback when uh, Harvard scientists wrote a paper about it claiming that it could be aliens. Now, I know that's, you know, that's a very hypothetical thing. And of course, every news outlet grapples onto that one little quote that they say. But um, very fascinating, this huge elongated object that came into our solar system, hung out for a little bit and made some really odd maneuvers and took off. We'll probably never see it again, but who knows? But what do you guys make of the whole Oumuamua incident? Where do you all stand on this thing? Is oh, it an alien Mua probe? Mua. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to say. I mean, because, you know, they that there are, uh, there's some research to suggest that um, the kind of movement it had could be similar to um, resulting from gases from a comet. But could it be an alien probe? Well, we can't really say it couldn't be because we can't see it anymore and we didn't get a good enough look at it. So maybe, but I think it's more fascinating, you know, that this is the first object we've spotted from interstellar space and that they uh, believe that there's at least four other objects uh, that could be of interstellar origin currently uh, bouncing around that, you know, could be hiding amongst all the, the other space debris and I don't know. It's it's kind of fascinating. Are there just a bunch of like creepy alien drones hanging out <laughs> in our in our solar system 
it's not that far-fetched. I mean, we send right. probes to other planets, granted within yep. our own solar system, but but just look at Star Trek. I mean, yes, it's science fiction, but is it really that far-fetched to think that we could advance to that in the relatively near future? I don't right. think so. I mean, we just had we just had one of our objects go interstellar, right? So, yeah, I mean, you make a great point, Ryan. I mean, extraterrestrials aside, this is huge news, extremely exciting. I mean, big time stuff is is happening in space all the time now and we we do live in science fiction times and it's super exciting. So, removing the alien p- possibility, it's exciting on its on its own, but yeah, I, I think responsible journalists and responsible scientists certainly take note of this and see the unusual behaviors. And certainly considering all of the unknowns that exist with this thing, you can't rule out the possibility that this is something, you know, that uh, has an extraterrestrial, an intelligent extraterrestrial component to it. That doesn't mean we're saying that it is, but being a responsible scientist and not having all the answers, you do need to keep an open mind and you do have to weigh all the possibilities. And that's certainly a possibility. Coming from a media standpoint, you know, it's interesting how, you know, Ryan, you made that joke, you know, they're playing in the headlines, you know, the alien aspect of it. And I don't know if that's just kind of more uh, a telling sign of how the media is more clickbaity nowadays, or just the fact that they're more open to running headlines like that in general, mm. um, that that's what they pull from that. The fact that, NASA scientists are saying it could be aliens. So either way you look at it, I think, you know, you have this, you know, they're potentially trying to sensationalize a little bit by running that in the headline. But also that's kind of the news, too, because, you know, maybe 20 years ago, NASA scientists wouldn't have been so open to even state that claim. So I I think it's fascinating how uh, it's it's been played out. Well, and what's even more exciting, too, is because of this object, they're building another telescope in Chile. Once it's completed, they're going to use it to search for similar objects. Like you said, Maureen, there are possibly other objects out there like this. So now it's pushing scientists to fund these telescopes to look for more of them. And you can't ask for more than that. And you can't ask for more than all of these scientists writing new papers arguing comet, asteroid, something other than that. It just keeps going and going. And the fact that we don't have a clear answer yet of what this thing was, uh, that's actually exciting than getting an answer, I think. That unknown is what keeps us going. And I think that's Agreed pretty Agreed cool. 100%. Yes. Yeah, and Jason, thanks for reminding me that Voyager 1 finally entered interstellar space this yes. year. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about that somehow, but um, <laughs> that's kind of fascinating to, think, uh, fascinating to think about, too, because on the other end, let's say exactly. there is intelligent planets out there, and now they're possibly being exposed to their, some their headlines really are the same. weird stuff from yeah. the 70s, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And, you know, we just landed on Mars again. It's just, it's so cool, guys. Yes. I, I think we're we're on the cusp of some really interesting scientific developments in terms of alien life. Uh, and China's getting ready to land on the dark side of the moon. Boom. <laughs> All those conspiracies will now be solved. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I love it. Well, here's another one too, guys. Silvano P. Colombano of NASA's Intelligent Systems Division recently wrote a research paper about extraterrestrials, and he wants to keep people informed that, you know, aliens, they may look different than what we expect and may be able to travel huge distances. That's the biggest argument whenever any of us get asked, you know, how could aliens travel all this all this time and space, there's no way they could ever get here. Uh, this guy's being like, you know, chill out, guys. We have no idea what they're capable of, what their makeup is. We always go by what humans can do, what our limitations are. So I thought this was really cool that another NASA scientist is putting himself out there and saying this. The headline is Tiny Aliens. Mike, again, we have aliens. Tiny <laughs> Aliens may have visited us and we just didn't know. That's pretty cool. It's super cool. This was fantastic to read. And again, I I applaud this guy because this is a responsible scientist, in my opinion. He's keeping his mind open and exploring all possibilities. And when we're dealing with something as strange and unknown as extraterrestrial life, yes, we have life as we know it as our baseline and and what we're, we're working on, we're working from. But in the end, we really don't know. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Mm. So we have to understand what we're working with, with our tool set, but also understand it could be so much bigger than that. So I love that from that standpoint, but this spawns so many ridiculous headlines, you know, <laughs> as all of these stories do, because NASA scientists says aliens have already been here and all this stuff. And I love that he's many times over said, look, all I was saying is we need to consider the possibilities. I'm not saying they've been here. They may have been here. But I'm not saying they've been here. All right, guys, we're going to move on to to probably the bulk of our conversation here, something we are all familiar with. The date of recording this is Thursday, December 13th, and it is Mr. Tom DeLong's birthday. So happy birthday, Tom DeLong. Happy birthday, Tom. <laughs> um, I saw the the past interview with Tom DeLong featuring Maureen and Jason making the rounds today. So that was really cool to see all of this stuff pre to the Stars Academy. Well, Tom, I've been excited to talk to you about UFOs. You've you've always been vocal about your interest in the subject. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't think a lot of people understand that you've researched this subject for more than 20 years. Yeah. And that's a lot more. 
it's a longer time period than a lot of the leading researchers in the field right now. A lot of researchers tend to dive into one area of it. That's pretty right. hardcore. You know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to write a book about Roswell. Or someone else comes in and says, I'm going to write a book just about, you know, the Majestic 12 documents, you know. And I've, uh, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I'm pretty broad about all the subjects. I've gone deep on a lot of them. But I've kind of surpassed the, the icing on the cake, and now I'm kind of digging down into, uh, you know, the main ingredients of the cake, you know. But what, what initially sparked your interest in the subject? I, I, one of my first memories is being in seventh grade where I was walking, uh, I had like an hour in junior high. It was like the first, you know, school kind of system in junior high level where you get to walk between classes, so you have a few minutes. I, for some reason, had more than a few minutes, so I had to go to the library. And I was walking to this library, and I didn't read books at all. Then, you know, in school, I was like, books? Who wants to read books? You know, I'm skateboarding and stuff. So I'm like, well, if I have to read a book right now, I wonder if there's, like, any weird, like, UFO books. And I don't even know why that came to my attention. It was so odd, because that's... And all I found was a book that had something about one UFO and the Loch Ness Monster. But either way, it was cool, and it was in my school library. And from that moment forward, it really sparked my interest. But it kind of, there was a gap there uh, until I was able to actually afford to buy a computer. So computers were really happening when I was 20, 21. That's like the beginning of the 90s, like, bam, things are happening with computers. So I signed a record contract and got my first paycheck. And the very first thing I did was I went out and bought this shitty, like, compact computer or something. And uh, I brought it home, signed on. And and I I think I just typed in, like, UFOs or something or Area 51. I don't even know. There's the common term. But now we are in the thick of it, guys. It's been over a year since this thing took shape and uh, since the New York Times story broke. And we've had some... Interesting and not-so-interesting developments. Uh, Probably the biggest one is the Atom Research Project, the Acquisition and Data Analysis of Materials. Very controversial project going on over to the stars. But where do we stand now, guys? You know, it's been almost a year. They wanted to raise around $50 million for this project. Don't think they quite made it to that, but um, it's been a heated debate within the UFO community for about a year now. So let's lay it all out there, guys. Where do you stand now, and what can we expect from To the Stars in the future? Mike, let's start with you. I think there's more optimism, I think, than last year. I think there's more stuff to look forward to this year. Um, the fact that Secret Machines documentary is apparently finally coming out, rumored movie deal. And in the terms of the research side of it, I, I know it's going to be divisive either way, but I mean, they're slowly getting stuff done. They're, they're getting the, the ball rolling. And, you know, just, just from, you know, reading on all the, the Facebook message boards and, you know, there's always opposition with the, with this topic. But, you know, they're actually getting people talking. And, uh, you know, like I, I think I said last year, if that's the worst thing that happened, I mean, if that's the biggest thing that happened last year was getting, you know, this this mainstream press and getting people talking about the topic in a serious manner and being more open-minded in terms of research, then great. But I think they're taking it a step further. And uh, a lot of the credibility questions that kind of hamper them previously, I think there's, there, there's less of those. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's less of those going forward. So I think 2019 is going to be an interesting year. And I just think people need to be patient. I think we said that last year, too. We did, um, yep. And, you know, these things take time. Even somebody with, with Tom's celebrity status to him, you know, uh, these things take time. It's not like he could just, you know, whip, you know, write a check and boom, we have disclosure the next day. It's That's not how things work, especially with such a, a sensitive topic. So like I said, I think, you know, things are slowly rolling out. And obviously, it's not rolling out fast enough for some people in the UFO community, but 
I mean, I don't, they're not doing it for them. They're doing it, you know, for, for everyone. Um, so I think, you know, people continue to be, need to be patient and just see where it goes. You know, like I said, you know, people are obviously going to jump at, you know, the, the, the fiction stuff that, uh, to the stars is interested in doing, you know, it's the first thing people jump at and kind of poke, poke at and say, is this where my investment money is going? No, I mean, obviously not. I mean, it's common sense. <laughs> uh, there's production companies that are backing this, uh, you know, those projects, but yeah, obviously that's the first thing that people will go to, to kind of detract from it. But at the same time, you know, uh, we have the Adams project, we have material that's apparently, you know, as you know, passed through earth, earth tech international, which isn't too far from me uh, mm-hmm. in Texas. So, you know, uh, they're doing things. So I think people just need to continue to be patient and see where it goes from there. We have multiple samples now from multiple sources, ranging a wide variety of, of, of integrity. Even if the material goes nowhere, people are beginning to provide us things. I want to make sure that I have a healthy dose of skepticism to make sure I'm not blindly accepting something because it's cool or neat or new or something like that. But the data supports the decisions that we make, the dots that we connect, the moves that we make. But I see a diligence being applied to this uh, that gives me optimism, that we we stand a chance of, of being able to make some real progress here. We have to do this the right way. And the right way isn't necessarily the right now way. You know, we may just be at the beginning of the, of the, of the headwaters. Maybe this, we're just in a, in a stream right now and we're just at the very beginning and it's just a small creek. But I think eventually that waterfall will come. Maureen, what do you think about all this? Personally, for me, I think that there are good and obviously, like Mike said, it's been very divisive and bad things that are coming out of this. And it is creating this incredible amount of impatience with people. I think the better way to go about this is to have zero expectations. Mm -hmm. And then when they're able to release whatever they can, when they can, uh, you know, we might find out that all the testing they're doing through this Adam project ends up being nothing interesting or has an explanation, or it may be something that, you know, piques people's interest. And if we finally get any results or, or, or trickled information about this, it's probably likely something that would require more testing and more testing, because I guarantee you, they're not going to come. Let's say they test a piece of metal that they believe to be of extraterrestrial origin. And they, it comes back an anomaly saying this is not, as some people have said, manufactured on earth. This is from somewhere else. Uh, it is not naturally occurring. Here you are. Uh, make of it what you will. I guarantee you not everyone's going to be like, oh, that's disclosure. Aliens exist. Problem solved. That's not going to be the way it works. So, yes, there's a lot of different facets of, of what's happening with To the Stars. There's a lot of entertainment aspects. But again, like Mike said, the big thing is uh, getting a lot of positive press and getting a lot more people to take this subject a little more seriously and realize that um, the government is involved in this and there's other things going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. This is a big picture and I believe it'll continue to be so. One thing I want to add, I I think Jason could kind of pile onto this too. Jason could attest to this. I think, you know, previously, Jason, you know, your time is, you know, uh, uh, um, we're to the stars and they're starting out and um, I've interviewed Tom and met him before as well. So like we can kind of talk about this, but, 
Tom is best when um, he's not fully in charge. He does his best work when he's collaborating, when he's not left to his own devices. And I'm t- not just talking about musically. I'm just talking about in general. And having something so controlled like this, I think it's a good thing because he's not rushing to get some out. Everything is taking its time. This is the first time in his career in a long, long time that we've actually seen something like this where uh, he's doing the, the due diligence and things are coming out uh, organically. You know, and it's and he's taking his time. And I think you know having these these control mechanisms above him is only going to make for better quality in terms of the, the documentaries, the the fiction feature films, and uh, the research in general. So I think this is a good thing that you know things are kind of taking time. And uh, one thing I want to say uh, add to what Marine said, um, you know, you say like say if they if something comes back that they discover, and what if it's not, you know, if they say oh this is just a piece of metal you know to, to the stars is going to get just ripped up by its detractors. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, uh, how much leeway they get in terms of the reaction from the public. I wonder, I wonder if that's the case, if they just kind of avoid it for years at a time until everyone forgets about it and never announce anything <laughs> at all, just so they don't face that public backlash. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I mean, that's what you said, Mike, too, about, how slow things have been. Jason and I first started talking to Tom about to the stars back in 2014, when we started working for him at the initial launch of to the stars media. And he had plans to expand this into something bigger, but at that time he didn't really know what yet, you know? So it's very interesting to see how it, it started off with like raunchy paranormal news that we were writing and has become just this huge franchise of, of media and now a more serious scientific research. So I, what's next? I'm excited to see at least, but I am going in with again, zero expectations. So I see a lot of parallels with To the Stars and Open Minds. Mm. Open Minds was a company that Maureen and I helped start that was a UFO media organization that was the only type uh, of company uh, like it at the time, which is what To the Stars essentially is now. You know, we had a wealthy individual who was interested in UFOs and had the ability to fund a company so he could feed his passion. And that's what Tom's doing. And for all the people who are grumbling because they don't approve of how Tom, what Tom's doing or how he's doing it or what the company's doing, tough. You know, like Maureen said, she said it brilliantly. People need to manage their expectations. A lot of this frustration comes from people creating things in their head, wanting things to happen. And, you know, that that's just not realistic. They need to manage their expectations and understand, look, even if you're an investor into the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, nobody twisted your arm. You chose to do that. So that's on you, and you need to manage your expectations. Even, even if To the Stars doesn't do anything ever, I applaud the effort. You know, the more people we have out there doing things, trying to do research, trying to, to come up with answers to this crazy unknown of UFOs, that's awesome. We need all the people doing all the things all the time. <laughs> if they're successful, that's awesome. If not, eh, at least they tried. It doesn't affect me, and it shouldn't affect you. If you cho- Again, if you chose to invest money, that's on you, and you understand that it's not really an investment. You really crowdfunded this effort to do some awesome things. So 
anything they do, I think is great. But people need to understand and remember that To the Stars is primarily an entertainment company. And there is some awesome entertainment that's going to come out of it. But again, I view To the Stars as something very similar to Open Minds, what me and Maureen did, as you know, a guy very passionate about something and doing it with a company and somebody who has a lot of resources and access to do it on a much grander scale. And that's yeah. what we're seeing. I think that's amazing. Let's hope it doesn't go the way it turned out with Open Minds, where he got bored because he hadn't solved the alien problem. Right. Well, within as long a short as it, period of time, and yeah, well, Tom, Tom, Tom is is uh, self-proclaimed ADD, so that that could happen. But fortunately, he has other people involved, so I, I don't think it will go that way. I, I think he chose these people, kind of like when you you have someone go to the gym with you. You need a gym buddy to keep you motivated. So That's right. now that he has these pretty prominent people, uh, a, a bit controversial, but still prominent people involved, uh, they're going to keep it going, and I think. Right. One of my biggest problems right now is we just heard that he sold a show to TBS, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And everyone yeah. was just poo-pooing it like, oh, it's going to be a an animated Family Guy-esque thing on the paranormal. Which what? is strange to me. I mean, TBS is an odd choice. I mean, yeah, they've, they've got similar programming, but – I mean, Maureen and I are very familiar with this property, and, uh, you know, this is something that should be on, like, premium cable or something where, like, nudity and profanity should be allowed. (laughs) Like, TBS is not really going to fully encompass what Strange Times has to offer. Right. I don't think they're really prepared for that. But what I want to say in terms of that, Jason, is who gives a shit what network it's on? The fact of the matter is he got a show sold, and that's going to bring in money to then fund the scientific research research of to the stars that's what people have to keep in mind they're like oh all we're hearing about is the entertainment stuff the the fiction books the the non-fiction the documentaries yeah no shit how do you make money you right. provide entertainment that's, that's, sure and again that's that's them managing their expectations or creating something that they want to happen but for me i will say this you asked how you know our, our thoughts have changed from the beginning of the year to the end of the year regarding to the stars. And my opinion of the company hasn't changed one bit, and perhaps that's because I'm intimately familiar with what to the stars is, and a lot, if not all, of what this company has done has been very public from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly what I expected. They delivered exactly what they've said they would, and it's just getting more and more exciting as time goes on. It can't happen, you know, every day, every week, every month. Stuff takes time, but stuff has happened. It is happening, and you know, some it, it's some pretty cool stuff, if I may say so. And the, people need to understand the entertainment aspect. That's the easy part. Exactly. Right? UFOs, UFOs are, are quote unquote cool right now. There's a, new shows popping up all the time. So you have Tom who already has his built in fan base. You, he has all these um, these franchises mapped out already. That if you're a, an executive, you know, for for television or Hollywood, that's an easy sell. You know, this is the easy part. The hard part is getting more people, you know, in positions of power on board more mainstream coverage, getting the research done. That's the hard part. That's what takes time. Yes, and a lot of people, I've heard this term floating around, the to the star syndrome, where now every TV network and their mother wants to do a paranormal or UFO show. I know everyone on this panel has been tapped countless times this year since the New York Times story broke, since to the stars has been doing this stuff. So if anything, yes, 
to the stars, has made UFOs popular again, put them back into the mainstream, and that's exciting. And instead of getting jealous and like bashing everything they're doing, I think we just got to ride the wave, enjoy it for what we can, get what we can out of it for our own research, and just sort of wait and see what happens. Or if you're going to be a dick about it, don't pay attention to it. It doesn't have to affect you. Yes. Go and do your own thing. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Exactly. You made a great point by saying the people who chose to invest, they chose to invest. That was their money. Yep. Exactly. I, ch- I chose not to invest personally just because – I did know. remain objective. I mean if I'm going to be a journalist and talk about this stuff, I wanted to remain objective. I mean I'm already biased because we work for To The Stars. I always throw that out there. But yeah, I chose not to invest because I want to remain objective and not tied to something financially. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that the investments weren't open in Arizona where you live. During That's the true. Of launch. They are. They, they 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 were later, but yeah, at the launch, not at all. So I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even. Have to I was like, let's be, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a Jason uh, in terms of not investing. I, I thought it would be kind of a conflict of interest since I cover this, and also. I've given Tom DeLonge so much money since my teenage <laughs> years. Uh, he doesn't need another uh, send for me. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, my uh, moral support's good enough. Absolutely. Now, the only, the last thing I want to touch on with To the Stars, guys, is uh, I had John Greenwald on my show recently, who we all know is the guy who, he's the FOIA guy. Any document pertaining to UFOs that has been declassified, he's all about it. He gets it out there and gives it to the public for free. I talked to him all about To the Stars and ATIP, the actual government-funded project about UFOs, the Pentagon program. And what's really interesting is he hasn't found much on this thing. Now, that's not to say it's not... That it didn't exist. We know it existed. What John argues is that it has been exaggerated beyond comprehension, that this program didn't really involve UFOs that much, and that Mr. Elizondo might not exactly have been as prominent as many people think. I mean, we had him recently give a presentation in Italy where he showed CGI'd photos to the public and said that these were actual photos of the Washington, D.C. flap. Now, that was a blunder that I can't really understand how someone who headed a ufo program could make something like that an observation like that a mistake like that so i do want to err on the side of caution in terms of how important this atip project actually was but at the end of the day i want to ask you guys does that even matter to any of you no no okay okay no it doesn't and again managing expectations look if we're taking Elizondo at his word and he did what he said he did he's not a UFO historian he doesn't know everything about UFOs Mm -hmm. he had a specific job to study weird things in the sky that doesn't make him a UFO expert or somebody who knows about UFO history and he's admitted that he doesn't know UFO history so it's very understandable that they're not really going to know what they're talking about when they're throwing up all these old photos about you know historical cases and all that stuff So, no. I mean, I think it's embarrassing, yes, and they need to work on that, especially if they're going to be as public as they want to be. But that doesn't mean anything in terms of ATIP or its its legitimacy. But I will say, I mean, we already know that ATIP wasn't really much of anything. I mean, $22 million, come on, that's nothing. That's like a project of bringing in a project manager at the White House to replace a toilet. (laughs) And as we've from Jeremy Corbell and many others, the bulk of that project – was looking into things not related to UFOs, things like Skinwalker Ranch hmm. being the bulk of it. So there you go. 
One thing I'm going to add, it doesn't change, um, you know, kind of whether I support them or not, but I do think it's very careless and sloppy, and it's not a good look because even though he wasn't, you know, an expert on UFOs previously, you know, Tom's also known for, you know, been posting photos on Instagram and showing videos of things that we know are hoax, and that's just sloppy. Um, And I think they definitely need some crisis management in terms of public relations. Um, I know there's, like, one publicist who's Tom's publicist who I think does a decent job, but I think they actually need a team because a lot of this stuff needs to be managed. Yeah, for sure. But can you imagine bring, having to be Tom's publicist? <laughs> like, <laughs> what a giant job that is. And and look, I mean, we've been doing this. Maureen and I have been doing this for 10 plus years now. And, you know, if my job, if I were brought on to something, like, I'm not going to be able to do nearly as good of a job as the Internet people, you know, <laughs> You can think you've done all the research and everything in the world, but as soon as something goes live, you'll hear from a hundred hardcore internet people who will tell you how you you effed up, and uh, you know what a terrible job you did, and and why the photo you showed was proven to be a fake, and this and that. So. Oh hell yeah! I mean, Jason, <laughs> I want to add. I, the I mean, ro- I, I, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say to your point, the Roswell slides were debunked in one day by the public. Right. <laughs> one day. Right. That's all I'm going to say. And in one in one sense, that's the easiest thing to do. Like, hey, let's just put it up. I'm not sure about it, but if we're wrong, the internet will let us know. <laughs> <laughs> the all-encompassing internet. Uh, Maureen, what do you think? I mean, that's it, it's a really good point and I think that it's terrifying in terms of there's always the risk that you're going to post something that, you know, you're asking questions about. This actually just happened on Twitter today. I saw you commenting on it, Ryan, mm. uh, with with the Stan Romanek video some guy posted and tagged a bunch of people in. And he, w- he thought it was an interesting video. And then all of us within three <laughs> seconds said, no, the guy's no. a known hoaxer. That's a that total BS video. Run away! <laughs> so there you go. I mean, that's that stuff happens. That poor guy was just... Unindated with, I know. I will say you know? the the more you're in this field, the more you realize the importance of being cautious and certainly not throwing up a photo on a projector and going, and this is a real photo. You know, you have to be careful and and gauge everything. You know, allegedly is is a very good word to enter your vocabulary and have it be used. Frequently yes. and often. Everyone yes. knows it's my favorite word. <laughs> when when I was on that uh, stupid show uh, on on Discovery, uh, people were joking about that if they made an action doll of me, it'd have a string in the back, and you pull it, and it'd say allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> or or as ancient aliens has taught us, could it be that dot dot dot? Well, all right, guys. I think to the stars has gotten enough enough of our time here. Uh, I want to move to another entertainment project that is going to premiere at the beginning of 2019, and that oh, yeah. is Project Blue Book. Name's Dr. Alan Hynek. You want me to investigate flying saucers? I want you to help me prove to the public the truth. They don't exist. Jason, we saw yes. this thing in full force at Alien Con. It's been, we've known about it for a while now. Some of us have seen um, a good chunk of the first six episodes or so of it. Um, so, Guys, J. Allen Hynek, our UFO grandfather, UFO dad, however you want to put it, is now making it to the uh, silver screen. We're going to see him 
weekly now. So what do we all make of this? Project Blue Book, the television series premiering on the History Channel. I'm ready to explode, but I'll let other people go. I haven't seen it. Y'all has actually seen it. And oh. I'm just curious. I'm really... You haven't? No, I have. I've seen the first six episodes. I was very okay. fortunate to have that, but pouring salt in the wound. I'm sorry, my man. But what do you think? What was your initial reactions to hearing that they were going to be making a television show about Project Blue Book? Well, once again, this is something that's going to be highly fictionalized as well. So that's what I'm curious to see of how much of it pulls from what we what we know to be true and how much of it is fictionalized. But either way, I'm still excited for it um, just because I feel like we haven't had a show like this on television in a while, especially, you know, something that hits close to home to all of us. So I'm excited for it. Uh, and the fact that, you know, it's on the History Channel, I think that's a good thing, too. You'll see it probably packaged with Ancient Aliens on, uh, at some point uh, with, with reruns. But, yep. um, yes, yeah, since, you, you know, Ryan, you've seen it before without giving any spoilers. I don't know how much you can speak to it. But would you say that is it is a fair representation? Absolutely. And I, I can say that very with, without any hesitation, to be honest, it is it's fair. It's uh, authentic, but it is a drama. It is fiction. It's a yes. drama. It's fiction. I, I recently interviewed the creator and the showrunner of the show that'll be airing in a few weeks uh, from now. But they they stress that, of course, we had to fictionalize aspects. We need to create a narrative for all of this. So I understand those who say, it's not accurate. It's it's going to be fictionalized. Why is Hynek looking at an alien in a tube? Like, I totally get <laughs> all that. I totally get it. Sure. But until you see it, until you see the story they lay out, I'm sort of reserving judgment on saying, oh, they totally botched it. It is a slick show. It is beautiful. It is well-written. Mm. It is amazingly acted by uh, Aiden Gillen playing J. Allen Hynek and the other actors as well. I think it's great. Again, it's the History Channel, so there's a lot of historical stuff in it. A lot of cases we all know in the UFO community, but this is going to be the first time for a lot of people hearing about these cases. So that's more exciting than, did they get this right? Was was this the date it actually happened? This, that, this. Exactly. Yeah. See, again, we come back to managed expectations and people, you know, wanting this to be something it's not. This is not a documentary. It's a drama tv show it's fiction but it's based on something true so there's a lot of truth in here so this is if you like x-files you know people in the uf of x-files because it's talking about it we all love and are passionate about well this is the same thing but it's referencing something that was real yeah so keep that in mind think of it as a an x-files period piece because that's what it is and this show is so well done. Paul Hynek, Jalen Hynek's son, is a consultant on the show. So that should tell you something. And I just think they did such a great job with this. I am excited to see the first season. I saw the first episode. I was blown away by it. If you are a UFO fan, this is going to be such a fun ride. Just don't expect it to be a documentary telling you what actually happened with Project Blue Book because you're not going to get it. But you will have fun because it's a TV show about UFOs. 
And that being said, too, they did post today a uh, a sighting reports map. Of Wasn't that rad? Historical UFO cases that Project Blue Book investigated. So if I believe you go to Twitter, any, just go to any of the Project Blue Book social networks and you'll see this thing. They or are any going, of our social networks. Or ours. Yeah, we all shared it. They're going out of their way to really do their homework with this show. I know for a fact that the creator spoke to the last living person who ran Project Blue Book, talked to him extensively about it. Uh, again, Paul Hynek is a is a uh, contributor to all of this as well. And uh, it, it, they did everything they could to to make this as accurate as possible. So and history throwing so much money at this show. Oof, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super psyched because of your guys's glowing review. And also, I have to say that this show is coming out at a really opportune time for our friend James Fox. Yes. <laughs> he has been working on a movie about the 701 cases that are unidentified in Project Blue Book for, for years. But I know he's getting closer to having this documentary be a reality. So, No disrespect to our friend Jeremy Corbell. The movie James is right now is going to be... Just uh, just going out on a limb here, but I think it's going to be the most incredible UFO documentary ever. I have high expectations because I know how much research that James has put into this project already, as well as, you know, having um, Lee Spiegel along with him. And I was super bummed because uh, at one point, James did reach out to me and ask if I could help with some stuff me too. On the documentary, yeah, but it was it was a task that would be too time consuming for mm-hmm. um, what I had. But it's I'm so excited about that documentary that I'm really looking forward that like all this Project Blue Book stuff is coming yeah. to fruition, uh, coming up in the near future. Awesome. And plus, you know, little fingers on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point where they got an incredible cast for this one. Um, well, I mean, that's a good way to sort of wrap this up, guys, is what you're looking forward to in 2019 in terms of UFOs. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say mine right now. And you already mentioned it. It is James Fox's documentary. I think this is going to blow people away. I've seen um, about 30 minutes of it that he shared with me recently. And uh, ooh, the access he got to some of the individuals in this documentary is really going to start some conversations for sure. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Mike, what are you looking forward to in 2019 in terms of UFOs? I want to see the Secret Machines documentary. Yeah, just just from the very beginning when he started teasing uh, footage and people we were talking to, all he's had a camera, Thomas had a camera with him the whole time. And I'm a big fan of the uh, nonfiction books as well. So I want to see more documentaries like fiction's cool as well. But, you know, we, we have so much fiction coming out this year with Project Blue Book. Uh, give us more documentaries because right now they're popular. I mean, if you look at Jeremy's film, uh, how well it's doing. And, you know, you guys are because you guys were at the premiere. You saw how many how many kids were there digging it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Give me more documentaries. Well, I, w- I will one up you, Mike, and I will say work with me together and let's make a punk rock and UFOs documentary. Yes. yes, let's do it. It'll be the it'll be better than all of them combined. That would be rad. I mean, Maureen and I basically did yeah. that at Warp Tour. Right? <laughs> but yeah, that all, that was the, the start. You know that that's our blueprint. We'll just go around. We'll we'll talk to bands about UFOs. It'll be awesome. Oh, I already have nice. footage. I have footage with uh, Greg Graffin. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, um, we we're on our way. Together. 
with some footage I have when I interviewed Tom about the election, too, from uh, a couple years ago. That's kind of some unreleased right. footage. Well, let, let's work on it. We'll look forward to that in 2019. Perfect. Let's do documentary. <laughs> you heard if it I here first, it out, If I ever make it out to Arizona, let's do it. <laughs> Punk Rock and UFOs, the documentary coming 2019. Love it. Yep. <laughs> we'll work on it. Awesome. Jason, how about you? Is that is is that it, I assume? I'm Punk looking forward to the Punk Rock and UFOs documentary. Yeah, for <laughs> okay. sure. No, Project Blue Book, I am, I'm stoked on this show. I mean, you know, the recent X-Files uh, left us all a little disappointed and wanting more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Blue Book, man, if it, if the rest of the, the, the season is like – episode one i'm just i'm ready for it because again as a fan of this genre and as the the topic of ufos taking something that's real and presenting it in this way i number one i'm excited because it's a great show and number two i think the possibilities for exposing people to the reality of project blue book and the government's interest in ufos is ridiculous i'm excited about that i'm also excited to see what happens with things in the general public like Alien Con. Alien Con has started this massive movement. Baltimore was unreal, and moving it to LA um, for the California one in June, I think that thing is going to be huge. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the kind of turnout they get, the people they get, and just what that experience is. Because again, that's pop culture, that's the general public, people going there. They've never looked into UFOs for themselves. They've never been to a UFO conference. They've never read a UFO book. They just have this interest in the topic and that's their introduction. And, you know, there's so many people, tens of thousands of people going to this event for the first time. So I think it's really exciting. So I can't wait to see what that does for, for the topic, for the discussion of UFOs in 2019. Perfect. Maureen, how about you? Anything else? Well, um, I would say I'm hopefully looking forward to not only the 701 and, and Project Blue Book, um, doing more spacing out, man. Jason, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Spacing out going re- to return when first episode is going to be with Jeremy coming up soon. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as well, uh, more advancements in um, the space front, just seeing uh, if we can't just keep searching for extraterrestrial life as long as we can. Maybe one day we'll have definitive proof. But yeah. Awesome. It's looking bright for 2019. So let's run through our our uh, our socials here guys mike where can we find all of your work my man in 2019 uh com. great jason what do you got rogueplanet.tv is the place for everything follow me on twitter at acetric that's a-c-e-c-e-n-t-r-i-c you can find me on facebook at the ufo geek perfect and maureen um, all of my handles usually are my full name. So at Maureen Ellsbury, I won't spell it out for you. So Twitter, Instagram, and you can find me at rogueplanet.tv and maureenellsbury.com, which is really not updated often. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Well, guys, you know where to find me at rogueplanet.tv and somewhere in the skies.com. And just look for a ton of stuff to come at you guys content wise from all of us in the coming year. I cannot wait. And I have to thank all of you guys for joining me on this 2018 UFO year review. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's it for the 2018 UFO Year in Review. Thank you again to Mike, Jason, and Maureen for joining me. And be sure to check out all their amazing work at punkrockandufos.com and at rogueplanet.tv. 
The holidays are fast approaching, but fear not, we have some fun shows leading you into the new year. So, be on the lookout for those in the coming weeks. And we're going to be starting 2019 with a bang over at the YouTube channel. Live feeds, exclusive content, some really cool face-to-face interviews, and so much more. So be sure to subscribe to the Ryan Sprague channel on YouTube right now. Please also subscribe, rate, and review the show on the largest podcast platform, Apple Podcasts. You directly influence the show's visibility by doing so, and you help us gain new listeners. And hey, be sure to share the show with those crazy relatives of yours over the holidays. I'm sure it'll make the conversations around the Yule Log a whole lot more interesting. Follow us on Twitter at Somewhere Skies and Instagram at Somewhere Skies Pod. My thanks as always to HelloFresh, the E1 Podcast Network, KGRA Radio, and most importantly to you for listening. I'll see you here next week, and remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.